1: Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, at Javanagh87, Jack Cavanaugh. We are here once again to bring you coverage on all of the Week 6 action from the Sunday slate. 11 games of football magic, and joining me as always to recap it all, it's at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. John, how are you feeling after yet another wonderful week of glorious football action?
0: Jack, thanks for having me. I'm feeling great. Uh, The weather here in Oklahoma City has just turned really nice and chilly. Fall is literally in the air. I got outside today. I met one of my neighbors who also has a a, a fascination with kettlebells like me, so I'm feeling really good. This is my favorite time of the year, weather-wise, football-wise. Everything is great. Feels like the competition diet has just dialed up quite a bit uh, as soon as we we crossed over in October. Uh, and we've also got some baseball action going on right now, so let's go, Braves.
1: Happy to hear it and happy to have you back on the show. As always, make sure you follow John on Twitter at DynastyPHD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. Once again, though, it is not only the Doctor joining me. We bring back the terrific trio with at the real NWB, Knee Wallace. Bruce, the IDG, IDP genius is back. Me, nee, how was your week six?
2: It was good, Jack. It's good to be back. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed not having to worry about Thursday night football for once. So, in that time, I put together a shoe rack in real life, and in fantasy, I'm putting together a playoff push in all my leagues. Believe it or not, folks, we are halfway through the regular season for most fantasy leagues. Good thing you two guys are around to help us through all the c- games coming up. Go, Dodgers!
1: Oh, might see some fighting about the baseball between you two. Yeah, there's some tension brewing. I'm here for it. Stoke these flames. But it is great having you back, me, and make sure you follow me on Instagram at the real NWB and be sure to follow along with the content both of these gentlemen are posting over on importantnonsense.com and at nonsenseff. And with that, we get to the NFL action. And as anyone who's listened to the show in the past knows, it is in my contract. I am in charge, I am the boss of this show, and I get to pick the first game. So with that, we start with something that makes me happy, and that is a Baltimore Ravens victory. So they led 17-0 at half, and they led out throughout the game. Eagles really made a push at the end of the game, almost tied it up, almost sent it to overtime, It came down to uh, the two-point conversion, 30-28 to victory for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson topped 100 yards on the ground for the first time this season, turning nine carries into 108 yards and a touchdown, but again struggled as a passer, 59.2% completion rate, under 200 yards passing, and had a touchdown pass to Nick Boyle. Disappointing day from Lamar. As a passer, held Hollywood Brown to just 57 yards on four catches. Mark Andrews, two for 21. Not a great day there, and not a great day for Mark Andrews as well. He left the game with an ankle injury. He was in and out for a while. Finally left, did not return. Ended the day with five carries for 20 yards. Gus, the Bus Edwards filled in for 14 carries and scored, but just 26 yards on the ground. J.K. Dobbins, 28 yards on nine carries, two receptions, and one yard. Get that man the ball more. But once again, we love seeing the race. Point in the second quarter, Carson Wentz, just three passing yards, three sacks. So he did manage to rally back a little bit. 213 yards passing. Two touchdowns, but he still only completed 21 of his 40 attempts, barely over 50%. And I just don't know about Carson Wentz if this is going to happen or not. So Travis Folgum continues to ball out and be the only one who matters, caught six balls for 75 yards in a score. And that was pretty much it for the pass catchers. Like John Hightower had a 50-yard catch. Zach Ertz caught four for 33 and was terrible. And Miles Sanders, he saved his day with a long run, finished the day with nine carries for 118 yards. But he left the game and didn't return. So really just awful from Philly, even though the score does not indicate that.
0: Yeah, Jack, it's also, even though the Ravens won, I still think it's somewhat of a disappointing game for them to let the Eagles come back the way they did. You know, they were nine and a half point favorites coming into this game as a road, you know, a road favorite and blew that cover, uh, which is a bummer. But the Ravens picked up the W and it's nice to see Lamar back uh, on the rushing side of things doing well. Uh, But I have to wonder, though, it looks like a Super Bowl win really buys you a lot of goodwill in the city of brotherly love. Uh, The Eagles have just I mean, they're the luckiest team right now in the league, if you can believe it, because if they had fans in the stadium right now, this would not be good. There'd be all kinds of batteries being rained down on Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. Uh, and you never wish you harmed anybody, but, you know, those Philly fans have got to be going nuts. Um, but this team, I, I really think they're, they're absolutely nowhere close to where they were in their Super Bowl run uh, not that long ago. Uh, really, they're lucky they're not one in five. Should we be talking about Peterson and potentially Carson Wentz as, as, a, as a combo or as being on the hot seat right now? If things keep going this way, you really do have
1: to think that's what's that, that's what we're heading for. This has been absolutely dreadful, and there's no sign of light saying that this is going to end anytime soon. I'm very worried about the Eagles.
2: Yeah, and with their fan base, it's almost like the next time they have a home game, there's going to be um, booze included in the the canned sound or whatever you want to call it that they pump into the games nowadays. Anyway, um, they're in the NFC East, or the NFC Least, as some people call it. So they're still in the running to win the division. So that probably buys Peterson and Wentz some time. On the IDP side of things, the MVP for this game is naturally from the Ravens, and it is defensive end Calais Campbell. He came through with five tackles, one tackle for loss, three sacks, and four quarterback hits. Diamonds make pressure, and pressure makes points in IDP. Look for the pressures, not points. In the same way that you wouldn't chase points for, for a running back you'd look at their carries and you you look at the targets for a wide receiver instead of the points the same goes for a defensive lineman you want to look at the pressures that they're generating each game
1: still ridiculous that the ravens got calais campbell for i think it was a fifth round pick from the jaguars in their fire sale this off season great addition to baltimore so happy there we're going to stick in the afc north though and baker mayfield came crashing back down to earth Pittsburgh Steelers' fearsome pass rush destroyed him. Two interceptions, 119 yards, hit countless times. I think he was only sacked twice officially. And he did have a 13-yard touchdown pass to Rashard Hollywood Higgins. But overall, terrible performance from Baker Mayfield, terrible performance from the Browns. Look like they're still the little brothers in the AFC North. And at one point, Case Keenum ended up coming in to end the game for Baker. Now, we're unsure if this is related to the injury he had crashed ish ribs we never really got an answer on that and so maybe they were just protecting baker or maybe he was benched for how awful he played so
0: this was ugly and should we push panic on baker at this point well jack i think um we should have been pushing panic in the panic button on baker mayfield back in week one after the browns just got thrashed by the ravens the pecking order of the afc north is pretty clear at this point it's a two-team race between the steelers and the Ravens, um, not really different from how things usually go. Um, but actually, because of this game, I based on this game alone, I wouldn't p- uh, push the panic button too much more uh, because Pittsburgh's just really good. Um, and if you look at the Browns' schedule, they get Cincinnati coming up. At, they go to Cincinnati. They have the Vegas Raiders coming uh, to them as well as Houston after that. So the schedule's a little bit lighter. But I think as far as Baker goes, he is clearly matchup dependent. I would not feel comfortable playing him against some of the more elite defenses like Pittsburgh and Baltimore. But when he gets to feast on the sisters of the poor like Cincinnati, sure, I'm, I'm sure you can be you can get away with it. But uh, he's very much context dependent.
2: Yep, Colin Cowherd is going to have a field day on Monday after seeing Baker, Baker gets benched.
1: Oh no, poor Baker, but I do agree that he is very matchup dependent and I'm kind of starting to think that he might be a worse version of Jared Goff, where any sort of pressure causes him to just completely crack, but when he's like everything is perfect around him, can look pretty beautiful at times. So because Baker sucks so badly today, bad day for all of the receivers, Austin Hooper actually led the team with five receptions for 52 yards, Jarvis Langer three for 40 and Odell just two for 25. Sad day for them. Sad day for Kareem Hunt, too. 13 carries, two receptions, only 57 total yards. Poor one out for that Browns offense. On the other side, though, we saw Mapletron continue to ball, continue to make plays. Four receptions, 74 yards, and a rushing score. He almost seems impossible to stop on the goal line on those end-arounds. Love to see that out of the Canadian. And roethlisberger did not have to do much in this game because cleveland was so bad completed 63.6 percent of his passes only 162 yards passing and a touchdown score to james washington who finished the day with four for 68 and had that touchdown aforementioned touchdown so claypool was great washington was great juju smith schuster was a ghost and only caught two of his four targets for six freaking yards so juju might be phased out at this point And Deontay Johnson also, does he have a role when he comes back? I'm very curious about this offense in general. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, look, um, if I'm not mistaken, Juju is coming up to a walk. or He could be at the end of his contract by the end of this year. So the the Steelers may have decided that they're going to roll with uh, Deontay, Claypool, and Washington for foreseeable future I mean Big Ben's not getting any younger so they might be preparing this wide receiver core for a new quarterback as well and ju- moving Juju on might be a part of that
0: yeah I think that Ni, nee, you're onto to something there because if, if any team uh, could feel confident in their ability to uh, move on from a player like Juju Smith-Schuster it has to be the Steelers I mean if you look at their track record of finding wide receivers uh, that fit into their system and can produce I mean this team is probably the top of the list uh, so I think you know, you'd hate to see them uh, move on, but I think I think that is a realistic possibility, which ultimately could do, be g- a good thing for Juju uh, and anybody who has him in fantasy, though. So maybe it's not a maybe it's not the end of the world.
1: It seems like the Steelers are pretty content on just running him on a drag pretty much every play. Has a lower average depth of target than Larry Fitzgerald heading into this game, and it's certainly going to go down after today. So with the Steelers leading, though, James Conner got a ton of work. Got 20 carries, 101 yards and a score. Benny Snell also chipped in for 17 yards and a score on six carries. So just a great day from the Steelers offense in general. Steelers are undefeated.
2: And it was a great day for the Steelers defense. Now, as the boys mentioned, Baker Mayfield was under a lot of pressure today. And the IDP MVP was one of the main instigators. It was linebacker Bud Dupree from the Steelers. He came into the game and came out with four tackles, two tackles for loss two sacks, and two quarterback hits. Now, this is a name to watch because, unfortunately, Devin Bush is out for the season with an ACL tear from this game. And TJ Watt, as we know, is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate almost every year. So Bud Dupree is, is like the, the 1B to TJ Watt's 1A. He kind of gets forgotten sometimes. But if he's available in your leagues, go pick him up.
1: Well, and Bud Dupree too was—he's not playing on the franchise tag this year. He broke out last year, and actually may might be the transition tag, not the franchise tag. Regardless, broke out last year, but the Steelers—he's been so bad leading up to that point. Steelers weren't sure what to do with him. I think it's pretty clear at this point, though, that you got to extend Bud Dupree. Phenomenal start to this season not so phenomenal though for the new england patriots at one point there was eight straight field goals in this one as the broncos led 18 to three cam newton eventually scored a rushing touchdown but this was just a slow and stale game from the new england offense Cam completed 68 68 of his passes only 157 yards and was picked off twice saved his day a little bit with 76 yards rushing and the aforementioned score on 10 carries but just not his week heading into this one in denver James White led the team in targets with nine, had led the team with receptions in eight as well, and in receiving yards with 65. Julian Edelman, complete ghost, caught just two of six targets, eight yards. Nikhil Harry, even worse, with the goose egg on two targets. And the leaders of this team was actually Demir Bird, the receiver, and tight end Ryan Izzo. Both caught three receptions, both had 38 yards. What a disappointing day from New England.
0: Yeah, Jack, and I really think with the trade deadline coming up, I think New England is a perfect landing spot potentially for Julio Jones. Cam needs somebody who can make a play for him. Uh, the, the the last play of the game for the Patriots in terms of the offense was uh, a, a missed target by Nikhil Harry. The, the 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 receivers, the pass catchers on this team are just not cutting it. Uh, if this team actually wants to continue to make a run at the NF or the AFC East or a deep playoff run. Uh, So I'd love to see Julio there. Belichick can't draft receivers, but he can trade for them, uh, a la Randy Moss. Go out and get Julio. Let's see this happen. Let's help Cam out. I would love to
1: see that i would also love to see alan robinson in new england just get him a big alpha on the outside that's what cam newton needs we saw what he did with kelvin benjamin back in the day but enough about this disappointing new england passing game the ground game was just as ineffective outside of cam james white only eight yards on four carries damian harris only 19 on six runs Had a 14-yard reception to go with it, which was nice, but nothing from the day overall. And Rex Burke had 14 yards on five carries and a zero in the passing game. Frustrating in this backfield. Who knows what's going to happen next week. And on the Broncos side, you'd think with the win, maybe they looked good. No touchdown, but they actually had pretty good games from Philip Lindsay and Tim Patrick. Both managed to top 100 yards. Philip Lindsay, 23 carries on 101 yards. Completely uninvolved as a receiver, though, because as we know, he is bad at catching the ball. Tim Patrick caught four receptions for 101 yards on eight targets. And with Noah Fant out, we actually saw the return of the Mizzou Connection. Albert Okwabuinum was second on the team with six targets and caught two for 45. Love that for him, but really just an ugly day for Drew Locke. Completed just 41.7% of his passes, only 189 yards and two interceptions. So I don't know what the future holds for Drew Locke. All I know is if you started Brandon McManus, you won. Because six of six on field goals with a long of 54.
0: Yeah, Jack, I think today's biggest losers overall, obviously we still have some games to go, but the Pats, just from a fantasy standpoint, from a real football standpoint, from a gambling standpoint, probably let a lot of people down. They were nine and a half point home favorites and just totally pooped the bed today against the Denver Broncos who kept trying to give them the game. Uh, but unfortunately, it doesn't get a whole lot easier from here. They get the 49ers next week who appear to be getting healthy. They have got the Bills after that. We could easily be looking at a Bill Belichick team that is two and five before they get the uh, they get a break with the Jets. This is looking uh, this could be getting ugly pretty quick.
2: Yes, and don't forget they've already had their bye because they missed Week Five, which was when they were supposed to play the Broncos. I wonder if that impacted today's performance, having that uh, disruptive schedule. Anyway, you got to roll with the punches in the, this year's NFL. On the IDP side of things, the IDP MVP was linebacker Jawan Bentley from the Patriots. He had 12 tackles, including two tackles for loss, half a sack, and two quarterback hits. Bill Belichick's defenses are a bit of a lottery in terms of who gets the the production, but if you want to take a flyer, Bentley could be a guy.
1: Bentley's been filling in for Dante Hightower, who has taken this year off. He opted out. And Jamie Collins, who is now with the Detroit Lions moving on to our next game though the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Indianapolis Colts so Joe Burrow and the Bengals got off to the hot start got off to the early lead could not hold on to it and fell to the Colts 31 to 27 They didn't get the win, but Joe Burrow just has so much swag. Completed 64.1% of his 39 attempts, 313 yards, didn't have any passing touchdowns, but did run a QB sneak for like five yards into the end zone. Also had an interception, which was disappointing, but I just am so impressed each and every week about this player and his talent going forward.
0: I'm impressed with Joe Burrow, but I'm also impressed with the emergence of T. Higgins. He appears to be Burrow's go-to receiver. It makes sense. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big wide receiver. He can go up and make plays. He caught six catches today for 125 yards. He's gotten at least seven targets in the last four games, so really showing that Burrow likes this guy. Uh, another recommendation for trade deadline. I would love to see the Cincinnati Bengals trade A.J. Green and get more opportunities for Burrow and Higgins to cook together because they seem to be a really fun combination already add aj green to the list of receivers that we could trade to new england just give cam newton that big
1: body and give t higgins all of the snaps so higgins clearly looking like the guy at this point although aj green did lead the team in targets with 11 finally had himself a day eight receptions for 96 yards but what this really means, though, is Tyler Boyd really falling down this pecking order. So he tied with Higgins for second on the team with eight targets, but he only caught five for 54 yards instead of six for 125. So disappointing day. He continues to fall. We continue to be right on Tyler Boyd. And for all those Drew Sample fans out there, I know we were in on him. He was a complete ghost. One target, no catches. But on the Colt side... We finally saw Phillip Rivers show a pulse, and maybe he has some life left to him after all. Threw the ball 44 times, completed 65.9% of his passes, 271 yards, and three scores, and of course it's Philip Rivers, so obviously he had an interception as well. Trey Burton came up big with four receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Also had a one-yard touchdown run as well. So, do you hear that? That is the sound of ultimate suffering. That is the sound my heart made when Trey Burton vultured a touchdown carry from Jonathan Taylor on the one-yard line. We needed Jonathan Taylor to get that touchdown. We deserved for Jonathan Taylor to get that touchdown. Had a great day. 12 carries, 60 yards, 4 receptions, 55 yards, 115 total. Just would have been really beautiful to see him find the end zone. But alas... And to round things out with these pass catchers, I think it's safe to say T.Y. Hilton is done for. Five targets and just an 11-yard reception to show for it. Marcus Johnson had the big day, five for 108 yards on eight targets. Zach Pascal chipped in for four receptions, 54 yards and a score. And even Jack Doyle showed up, caught three, all three of his targets for 29 and a score. So this is really scary that we've got nothing from T.Y. Hilton. And I think it's time to move on.
2: TY stands for thank you. And I think it's time to say thank you for the memories to old Hilton. He won us many a fantasy championship over the years, but it seems like his time is coming to an end as a viable fantasy receiver. Anyway, um, where there's ends, there's also beginnings and DeForest Buckner from the the Colts is the defensive tackle. He was traded on draft night from the 49ers to the Colts for first rounder, and he is paying off For his new employers. Today, he had five tackles, including two tackles for loss, one sack, and four quarterback hits. And he is the IDP MVP from this game. Indianapolis did some very good business with that trade.
1: You know, Joe Burrow just continues to be just kicked around, beat up, but it's just so impressive to see him continue to rebound time after time. So much swag from Joe Burrow and so much swag from our boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. And we are back with what might have been the game of the week in an overtime thriller between the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. Titans jumped out to the early lead. Deshaun Watson rallied back, and this one came down, right down to the wire. Titans ultimately came away with the 42-36 win. Ryan Tannehill continues to show us that he is a legit NFL quarterback. Completed 73.2% of his passes, 364 yards with four touchdowns and an interception. Dealing, getting everyone involved. Tannehill was amazing this, in this one. Anthony Furkser caught eight receptions, 113 yards, and a score with Joni e. Smith going down. Adam Humphreys caught six for 64 on a score. And the AFC's version of DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown caught five balls for 56 yards and two scores. Honestly, should it be more than that? Feed A.J. Brown early and often, but it's still love to see a great day from him, including a score w- with four seconds left in the game to force overtime. As dominant as Tannehill was, as dominant as AJ Brown was, game ball has to go to Derrick Henry though. Most impressive performance of the week. 22 carries, 212 yards and two touchdowns, including a 94-yard touchdown sprint, and including the game-winning touchdown. Derrick Henry is a monster. Also had two receptions for 52 yards, so that's over 260 yards on the day. Derrick Henry is unstoppable.
0: Yeah, to say the least, Jack, he really is uh, just unbelievable. So um, just a quick dynasty note, make sure if you haven't already, um, keep Anthony Ferkser on your uh, on your radar, you know, with Jonu Smith going down. Uh, we don't know how long it'll be. It could be, you know, he could be back next week, of course, or uh, if he misses any time, I think Ferkser, you know, he's going to be a nice pickup and given how you know, much of a crapshoot tight end can be, uh, it's worth at least a look. But the AFC, uh, compared to you know previous years, just appears to be absolutely loaded. We got the Titans, We got the Chiefs and the Steelers as sort of the front runners right now. Next week, we'll see how good the Titans really are. They get to play Pittsburgh. should have played them earlier in the year, but that got pushed back to, to week seven. But my question for you folks, uh, my two podcast uh, colleagues, are the Titans a legit Super Bowl contender? Because right now it kind of feels like they are.
2: Yeah, you have to put him in that conversation. I mean, it was only less than 12 months ago that they were two or three quarters away from going to the Super Bowl before Patrick Mahomes sunk them in the AFC Championship game. And they haven't really changed much. They haven't really missed a beat on either side of the ball. And there's no reason why they can't get back to that game this year.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. The Titans are looking scary in the AFC I know the Ravens are one of those like punch you in the mouth, run it down your throat teams, but it's seeming like the Titans are doing that better than the Ravens. So you absolutely have to consider them contenders. I still think we have to go with the Chiefs as the favorites in this one. And it's really unfortunate for the Texans. They should be contenders. Deshaun Watson did everything in his power to come away with the win, and just can't overcome this defense yet again. Seventy-five point seven percent of his passes were complete. Three hundred thirty-five yards and four touchdowns, each to a different receiver. Still not enough because this defense is terrible. So we saw Will Fuller catch six of eleven targets for one hundred twenty-three and a score. We saw Brandon Cooks catch. We saw Brandon Cooks catch all. All nine of his targets for 68 and a score and we also saw Randall Cobb catch three balls for 17 yards and a score but not only that we saw the big man Darren Fells rumble for six receptions 85 and a score everybody gets a touchdown on this one including David Johnson who ran for a nice 69 yards on 20 touches and had a score as well so it's really disappointing. The Texans are so much better than their record is showing right now, and they're just going to have to claw their way to hopefully get a playoff spot. But it might be too late in this one. Bill O'Brien might have sewered them.
2: Yeah, they're in a tough division because, as we've mentioned, the Titans are humming along and the Colts are showing some signs of life on on the offense and to go with the tough defense. So it's going to be tough. However, don't forget there's an extra player spot this year, so that could help the Texans if they can go on a run under Romeo Cornell. Now, speaking of the Texans, their IDP, the IDP MVP for this game comes from the Texans. It's linebacker Terrell Adams. Now, he has filled in quite well for Bernardrick McKinney, who was unfortunately lost for the season. Adams today had eight tackles, including one tackle for loss, one sack, one quarterback hit, and two pass defenders. So with bye weeks, Line play injuries, games being shifted due to COVID and all sorts of other disruptions. If you need a linebacker, Carl Adams is your guy, he gets tackles and he's good for a big play.
1: For the first time in forever, the Lions got up to an early lead and they held it throughout the game. Were up seventeen to three at half. Finished the day thirty-four to sixteen with the win. Kenny Galladay showed he is clearly back from the hamstring injury that was plaguing him early in the year. Caught four of his six targets for one hundred and five yards. But it's really a quiet day from the rest of the pass catchers as Stafford only completed sixty-one point three percent of his attempts, two hundred and twenty-three yards, and a score which went to T.J. Hopkinson. Also tossed, tossed a pick, but Hawkinson had just two receptions for 17 yards. Danny Amendola, only two receptions for 31 yards and Marvin Jones continues to do nothing Two receptions for eight yards, a disappointment again, but another very unlionsy thing happened in Detroit. In addition to holding the lead for the whole game, the running game was actually functioning for once Adrian Peterson scored a touchdown on the first drive, but it was not him who was the star. It was DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift carried the ball 14 times, 116 yards, 8.3 yards a carry, and two touchdowns. What an impressive breakout game from DeAndre Swift as he buried Adrian Peterson, who had 15 carries for 40 yards and a score. DeAndre Swift is the next Alvin Kamara. He is a superstar in this league. He is a breakout machine waiting to happen. We finally got to see it, and I am so happy that the Lions finally decided to feature DeAndre Swift.
0: Yeah, and it's a good thing they did. I think uh, it's been one of the best things they could have done for their team and their offense to feature the players who give them the best chance to win. And there's no way I'm going to regret saying this later on. There's no way this will come back to haunt me. But I think we should keep it. We should keep our eye on the on the Lions. Um, I still think they can make a playoff run, especially when we consider there's an extra playoff spot. Their schedule is pretty brutal to start with, but it's gotten uh, lighter and it will continue to get lighter down the stretch. They go to the Falcons next week. They get the Colts at home after that. They go to the Vikings after that, who are terrible. Then they get the DC Riveras at home. So the next four weeks are looking pretty nice. Uh, From a real football standpoint and a fantasy standpoint, I think this is the time you need to have Stafford in your lineup, gotta have Swift, you gotta you gotta have Hawkinson. Um, you know, all of these players I think are gonna finally pay off for you uh if you were able to hold on for this long. This kind of worries me because you're gonna get my dad way too excited. He's a Lions fan and they continue to rip his
1: heart out, and I'm not ready for it to happen once again.
0: We're gonna get Matt excited too. We we
1: can't we can't get him too excited though. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Matt Mercier. He is a Lions fan as well. And if they, if they make the playoffs, I cannot imagine what's going to happen in that group chat. Anyways, going back to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Gardner Minshew really struggled in what looked like it should have been an easy matchup for him. Just a 56.8 completion rate, 243 yards, and a pick also had a touchdown pass to James Robinson, who really did not offer much as well. Jags were in catch-up mode, though, so you kind of understand that. Only 12 carries for 29 yards. Still had four receptions for 24 yards and, and that score. But it's kind of looking rough, especially because Divina Zigbo could be coming back from the hamstring injury this coming week. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the practice reports because this m- was supposed to be the last big week from James Robinson and we didn't get a boom. So we could be looking at a committee going forward. And a- another player who struggled with this game was DJ Chark. Game time decision with the bulky ankle heading into it. And it really seemed too limited in this one 14 targets, caught only seven of them, and only 45 for s- yards receiving. So I had said that. With DJ Chark limited, it was going to be a big LaVisca chanel game. And I was wrong. AF, I'll take the L on that. The former Colorado Buffalo had just three receptions for 10 yards. Disappointing from him, but Keelan Cole balled out, led the team with 143 yards on six receptions. And Keelan Cole is just really just good at football. And I know we can't trust him in terms of fantasy because it's Jag's offense to spread the ball around, but he is hashtag good at football and hashtag fun to watch. Love Keelan Cole.
2: Yes, sir. And speaking of good at football, IDP MVP comes from the Jags side of the ball, but this is not a Jag by any stretch. This is a, a diamond, if you will. Diamond Joe Schobert, linebacker for the Jags. He had 10 tackles as the Detroit run game translated to more tackles for the Jags defenders. And he also had a pass defended, an interception, and a quarterback hit. You love to see it from your linebackers. So
1: as good as the Lions were, they completely rolled throughout this game. On the other side, though, the AFC North counterparts, the Minnesota Vikings, were completely rolled over by the Atlanta Falcons. Vikings lost 40-23 to at home. Kirk Cousins was terrible once again through three interceptions. I think don't know how many picks he's out on the season he's probably in the among the league leaders in interceptions at this point point. 66.7 percent of his passes 343 yards and three scores on top of that but that was all garbage it was just catch-up mode they weren't even close to competing in this one thankfully his two studs receivers balled in the garbage time but gross game from Kirk Cousins
0: yeah just absolutely putrid from Kirk Cousins and the Vikings but It was a lot of fun to watch Justin Jefferson play. This guy is just unreal. He caught nine of his 11 targets for 166 yards. He found the end zone twice. Uh, Obviously, Thielen had a good game, too. He found the end zone as well, three receptions, 51 yards, and five targets. But this is starting to feel more and more like Jefferson's team. I kind of thought that it would take him a year or two to get fully kind of acclimated to the the NFL, but he is really taking it uh, and running with it. But I also think my takeaway from this game is I think we need to be talking about Mike Zimmermore as the next possible coach who gets fired. Uh this team is just really awful. They have regressed big time. I think they should keep Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and trade everyone else away for draft capital and uh and just see where they can rebuild from there.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it was only it seemed like yesterday that this team was competing against the Saints in a in playoffs and had a couple of controversial victories, but Look at them now, they're just a shell of what they used to be, and they just, something is not right over in Minnesota, and it does fall on pick a little bit, because you you, you got to look after the ball, and if you're continually turning it over, you're putting pressure on your defense, they're out longer, they're getting tired, the opposition can just run on them and throw on them as they please, and you just get further behind the eight ball, so something needs to change in Minnesota, no doubt. It's
1: funny, too, because they extended
2: Mike Zimmer this summer,
1: extended their GM as well, so absolutely terrible there. Alexander Madison also completely missed his shot, and we watched him burn. I'm rereading the letters I wrote. I'm searching through every line for some kind of sign of when he was mine. 10 carries, 26 yards, 1 catch, 4 yards Yuck from Alexander Madison. I am very disappointed in that one. And I'm kind of wondering though, is it time to just pencil in Ws for teams after firing their coach? Falcons look like a completely different team out there. And I don't know if it's just because they fired Dan Quinn, or maybe it's because Julio Jones made his return in a vintage Julio performance. Eight receptions, 137 yards, two touchdowns. That's what we needed to see out of Julio. Calvin Ridley was solid as well, catching six for 61 and a score. Hayden Hurst chipped in four receptions, 57 and a score. And Russell Gage as well, 65 yards on four receptions. Goose egg from Aslamide Zacchaeus on two targets. That makes me really sad. But everyone else in the Falcons' offense, I guess, ate. So disappointing from the backfield, though, they really didn't offer much. Todd Gurley turned 20 carries and three receptions into 67 yards. Brian Hill just 34 yards on 12 touches. It was all about the Falcons' passing game in this one.
2: Indeed it was. The, the Raheem Morris era begins... Brightly. I remember when he was uh, coaching the Buccaneers, the young Buccaneers back in the day. He has spent time as a wide receivers coach since and also as a defensive back coach. So he has experience on both sides of the ball. Anyway, staying with defense, the IDP MVP for this game was actually Minnesota's linebacker, Eric Kendricks. As I said before, when Kirk throws away the ball and when there's a turnover, your defense has to do more work. And Kendrick's is busy today. He had 14 tackles and one quarterback hit. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, It's not completely bad when your team turns it over because your defense gets more points. Ugly
1: performance from the Vikings. And ugly is the number one word I would use for this next game. And the number two word I would use is boring. So the Washington football team and the New York Giants faced off in a stinker. The most compelling part of the game was the very end of it. Washington got the score, could have kicked the extra point to send it into overtime. Instead, they went for two, went for the win in regulation, and instead got the loss. So it's easy to criticize this in hindsight. People will always complain when teams are aggressive on fourth down or when they're aggressive going for two. But I absolutely love it. I, you know, you have like a 50% chance at winning in overtime. It really comes down to the coin flip most of the time. And you have a little bit more than a 50% chance at making a two-point conversion. So give me the chance to win in regulation. Give me the chance to win that doesn't rely on a coin. That That's my take. Outside of that, though, just game sucked.
0: Yeah, just one of those games that you probably, if you're watching Red Zone, you probably didn't get to watch a whole lot of, thankfully. Uh, but if you were living in one of those two markets, I'm sorry if that was the game you had to watch. Uh, but you know, the Giants might have won this game, but they're the real losers of this game because they're one step away from the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes when they've got their with their first win today. They've now swapped places with the DC Riveras, who might be in uh in a, a good position to make a run at Trevor, who had a phenomenal weekend against Georgia Tech this weekend. Um, but you know, more on the side of the the, the Giants, though, Daniel Jones is just so bad. I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep harping on that. He finally got a TD pass, his first uh, since week one, but he only had 112 passing yards uh, and a pick. I mean, he really only bailed out fantasy players with his 74 rushing yards, and he happens to lead the Giants in rushing. But given how awful they are as a team so far, I don't think that's saying a whole lot. So I continue to beat the drum that uh, uh, Daniel Jones stinks.
1: Yeah, he hasn't been
0: good at, all this
1: year like you said he threw his first touchdown pass since week one over a month without a touchdown pass like how do you do that as an nfl quarterback i don't understand bad as a rookie or bad as a college player pretty good as a rookie and bad again as a junior or as a sophomore in the NFL and so Devonta Freeman also bad picked up 61 yards on 18 carries in abysmal 3.4 yards a carry and a negative four yard reception to go with it Daniel Jones continues to run away with the team lead in rushing and his receivers continue to struggle just because he's so terrible so Darius Slayton led the team with 41 yards in a score on two receptions and I really feel bad for him because on that touchdown catch you could see how much of a a baller he is completely roasted the corner and he's just being held back by daniel jones in this terrible giants offense finishing up with them though evan ingram two receptions for 30 yards golden tate caught his only target for 11 yards this team is bad and it wasn't much better from the football team either kyle allen 73.8 percent completion rate 280 yards and two scores with a pick looks like a fine day on paper but we all know that he's not good kyle allen's not good at football one good thing he did, though, is bring Logan Thomas back to life. Caught three of four targets, 42 in a score. Other touchdown went to Cam Sims on a 22 yard grab. Would have been nice to see one of those go to Scary Terry. Still finished the day with seven receptions, 74 yards on 12 targets. So you can't be too upset. Just would have been nice to see that score as well. You can be upset, though, if you are an Antonio Gibson GM. Completely fell flat, out touched and outscored by J.D. McKissick. 13 touchdowns, including four receptions from Gibson. Just 55 yards to show for it McKissick 14 touches six of which were receptions and 83 yards so those Gibson McKissick splits are ugly and just a perfect representation of how bad this football game was
2: this game was a bit of a horror show which is appropriate that Halloween is just around the corner nevertheless there weren't many tricks but there were treats and the IDP MVP is on the New York side of the ball Cornerback Logan Ryan. Now, he was very productive when he was at the Titans last year. He's then gone over to New York uh, as a free agent, and he's actually slotted in as free safety on many snaps because the Giants are lacking uh, Xavier McKinney after he went down with an injury, joining running back Saquon Barkley on the sidelines. Uh, young guns who are much needed but unavailable. Anyway, Logan Ryan came through with eight tackles, including one tackle for loss, one pass defended, one sack, and one quarterback hit. Now, for a cornerback, that's amazing because, again, he plays free safety in real life, but in fantasy, in most leagues, he's a cornerback, and that's gold. A guy that is in and around the ball and is also giving up big, going and getting big plays. So, if you need a cornerback in your leagues, Logan Ryan's your guy.
1: No, you did kind of save this game for me because that was a struggle to get through. I still do need a pick me up though, if we're going to get through this, because this game has sapped me of all my energy, absolutely terrible. And somehow both of these teams are still in contention to win the NFC East because it is so bad this year. So we are going to take a break. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors, and I can guarantee you that is more exciting than talk about the NFC East, which is terrible. So we'll be right back after this. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game.
3: That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and More or Less.
1: Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win.
3: So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee.
1: Obviously, you gotta go big or go home.
3: Then we've got rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories. Like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward.
1: Yup, I only need to get 2 out of 3 matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get 5 out of 5, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money.
3: You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given 2-6 to players and their statistic target, for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number.
1: Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys.
3: Well. The only thing better than winning money from monkey knife fight is getting money from monkey knife fight for free
1: i do love free
3: just go to monkey knife fight to sign up for a free account when you make your first deposit use promo code nonsense and monkey knife fight will match your deposit up to 50 dollars.
1: this is literally playing with house money guys go sign up on monkey knife fight with the promo code nonsense and get in on the action this weekend and we are back and my heart is broken. The Carolina Panthers fell 23 to 16 to the Chicago Bears, allowing the Bears to become perhaps the worst Five and one team in NFL history. I really don't understand it. Nick Foles wasn't good once again, completed just 59% of his passes, only 198 yards and an interception. But Big Richard Nick has a touchdown pass to rookie tight end Cole Komet and a rushing score. So the magic is still there for Nick Foles. Unfortunately, the magic could not carry on for Allen Robinson. Five receptions on nine targets, only 53 yards. Darnell Mooney caught three for 36. And it was really David Montgomery who led this offense, 97 yards on 23 touches, including three receptions, but he could not find the end zone.
0: Jack, you said it best. I mean, the worst five and one team in NFL history. I'm just so perplexed. How are the Bears five and one? They're so bad. Um, but maybe the defense is, is is good again. I'm not sure. Or maybe today was just a a regression from Teddy Two Gloves, aka Teddy Two Picks. Sorry to sorry to put oh. it sorry to put it that way, Jack. I know how much you love uh, Teddy, but man, I mean, I just I just can't wrap my head around this. Oh, that,
1: you're literally going to make me cry. That that was so mean. Oh, I, I'm sorry too. This was just so ugly. Like, Granted, the first one should have been caught, but still an interception on Teddy still goes down as that. Completed just 55.2% of his passes, only 216 yards, added 48 yards rushing, but just not his day at all. The good news though, DJ Moore is still fantastic. Had 11 targets and only caught Five of them, that's just symptomatic of how bad Teddy was today. Still picked up 93 yards, though. Bested Robbie Anderson, who had 77 yards on four receptions. Only five targets for him, though, so maybe they needed to get Robbie more involved and DJ less involved, or I don't really know. It's just a disappointing day all around, including for Mike Davis, two receptions, 55 total yards, bailed out by a rushing score, but this is not what we've become used to from Mike Davis.
2: Yeah. Um, this game was a, a game of unusual uh, things happening. I mean, the Bears keep winning. Mike Davis didn't really blow up. David Montgomery had a great game. Actually, I'll be honest, I was quite happy to see that. Um, it's It's been high time that we see some nice, big scores from Monty. Um, to answer your question, Dr. Dynasty, I think the Bears are being buoyed by their defense. The defense is clicking this year and it's it's across all lines. It's Khalil Mack's getting sacks, he's de- generating pressure. Tashawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson are breaking up passes. And then you've got the stud in the middle of the linebackers, Roquan Smith. He's the I- IDP MVP for today. He had 12 tackles, including one tackle for loss and one pass defense. So the Bears, they're channeling that, that monster of the midway energy on the defensive side. And it's starting to um, help their offense more than they did last year.
1: This will bring us to the afternoon, and oh oh, oh, boy, this afternoon was not good. We're gonna kick things off with a twenty-four to nothing beatdown. Miami Dolphins put on the New York Jets, completely kicked the Jets, but this one was awful as well.
0: Yeah, this one is about as awful as the NFL is when it comes to schedule making. I just don't understand why does the NFL hate us so much? We get this great slate of games to start off Sunday. And in the afternoon, we get Jets and Dolphins and Packers-Bucks, only two games. We get nine in the, in the early slot, two in the, in the later half. Why do we even have red zone when one of those two games is just utterly unwatchable? The Jets are just terrible. I feel bad for Sam Darnold. Um, I feel bad for anybody who likes the Jets. Even if they get rid of Adam Gase, I feel like they're going to hire somebody awful like Jeff Fisher to replace him. So uh, good luck with that. Oh, just imagine Jeff Fisher in New York.
1: Yeah, I co-sign all of that. This is a nightmare. And I really hope for Darnold's sake he can just get out and maybe you know he plays up the shoulder injury for the rest of the year sits out for his own safety i don't know because this is just a bad team with darnold out the elite joe flacco completed just 47.7 percent of his 44 attempts absolutely hilarious 186 yards and an interception like look at what flacco has done to our lovely baby boy 13 targets for Jamison Crowder. That's great. I'm I'm happy about that. Seven receptions for 48 yards. Like, how do you miss Jamison Crowder six times when you only need to throw the ball three yards to hit him? Instead, we saw Rashad Perriman make a solid return. Four receptions for 62 yards but this was infuriating as always in the backfield though we got to watch Frank Gore rumble for 70 total yards on 15 touches including four receptions so not a bad day for him but the inconvenient truth is that Frank Gore needs to retire as soon as possible rookie like Lamichael Pirine had nine touches for 36 yards while second year back out of Maryland Ty Johnson had 42 yards on just three carries Imagine that though. Another Detroit Lions draft pick goes somewhere else and suddenly looks good. So first we get Travis Fulgham and now we see Ty Johnson in his first game with the Jets. So maybe the Lions are just bad at evaluating talent. I don't know. Just an opinion or just a theory here. But Dolphins looked a lot better than the Jets did in this one. Completely ran away with it, literally and figuratively. 91 yards rushing from Miles Gaskin, also 35 yards receiving. He is a RB 1-2 at this point. Gaskin has been phenomenal. Ryan Fitzmagic was dealing again. 18-27, of 27, 191 yards and three scores, but he also had the two interceptions. So Devontae Parker left with an injury, finished three for 35. But if you started Mike Gusecki, you are a sad, sad puppy right now. Zero catches on two targets. While you watch tight on Adam Shaheen, catch three for 51 in the score. And you watch Durham Smythe. I think that's how you say it. Maybe it's Smith and Speltweer. I don't know, but he had a four-yard touchdown as well. Disappointing for Mike Gusecki, to say the least. Preston Williams caught two for 18 and a score, so all good there. But most importantly, we saw the debut of Tua Tagovailoa. It is Tua time officially. Not really because they're going to start Fitzmagic again. But he completed both of his passes for nine yards to end the game. And then after the game, when the entire stadium cleared out, no one was there anymore, he stayed on the field by himself because he wanted to FaceTime his parents from the exact spot where his first NFL drive ended because his parents couldn't be at the game to support him. Wholesome AF. Like, how do you not root for Tua?
0: Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for Tua. I think it's a cool story, and I, I think even though the Dolphins won and Tua was only seeing the field you know, in relief, I think we still have to move the Tua watch to an all-time high. I would crank it up. Last week it was at a five. Let's crank it up to a nine. This week the Dolphins won, but Fitzpatrick was less than magical today. He had two interceptions, um, and I think at some point the Dolphins will really need to see what Tua looks like with the ones. Uh, maybe they don't, they're not have, there's not a sense of urgency right now, but I think at some point we do need to see more than just the two passes.
2: Well, John, the Dolphins get the Jets in a few weeks, so maybe they'll roll out two then. Anyway, the Ryan Fitzpatrick DJF tour continues. He does not care, and he's going to keep thro- throwing that ball up and keep getting wins however possible. It helps for Miami because, don't look me up, but they're ahead of the Patriots in the division in a- AFC East. So... With the extra playoff spot this year playoff football might be coming back to miami nevertheless the idp mvp for this game is on the jet side of the ball with the turnovers and the the misery on the offense the defense is very busy and it was linebacker avery williamson who's cut from injury from earlier on in the year he had a a very workman like performance he just had 11 tackles that's it but that's all you need a nice double digit tackle game a lunch pail effort and well, what could you want from your linebacker?
1: Leave it to me to just find something good and just something so bad. So this is going to bring us to our final game of the evening, and honestly, it wasn't that much more watchable than the Jets and Dolphins game, if I'm being honest, and that's so disappointing because I honestly thought this was a game of the week contender. Could have been the game of the year based on the two teams. Ended up as a thirty-eight to ten blowout for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Green Bay Packers. So we saw the third career pick six of Aaron Rodgers. I- imagine that, just this long into his career. This is the third one he's ever had. Also the first multiple interception game since twenty seventeen in the regular season. That is just a yikes game from a A-A Aaron. Completed forty five point seven percent of his attempts. Only one hundred sixty yards. So are we looking at the end? of the scorched earth tour or is this just a bump in the road for a rod
0: jack i think i think we'll still have plenty of good things to see the rest of the way from a rod i really think um this was an anomaly in terms of his performance not only did he throw the pick six but he threw back-to-back interceptions two drives in a row that just does not happen for aaron Rodgers. i think this game says far more about how good tampa bay's defense is than anything else They are so good at creating turnovers, and I think they're finally coming together as a team, Um, and I think it was just wrong place, wrong time for Rodgers and the Packers. So no one on the Packers had a good day, and this one,
1: Devontae Adams, just six receptions for 61 yards on 10 targets, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three for 32, big Bobby Tanyan, three for 25, and as a receiver, Aaron Jones had three for 26, which we don't love. 10 carries for 15 yards which is also terrible did manage a touchdown though but bad game from aaron jones double the carries and half the yards of both jamal williams who had four for 34 on the ground and second round rookie aj dillon best game of his career five carries for 31 yards so this game is going to end badly for me in two ways number one that i was in on the aaron Rodgers mvp train he's going to need to rebound from this one complete stinker by him number two though we saw ronald jones ball out once again and john if you want to do the i told you so dance man this is all you you deserve it
0: jack i think i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be the bigger man no i'm just kidding i told you so i told you so and hey guess what i told you so uh 23 carries 113 yards two touchdowns he also caught uh both of his targets for eight yards Get it, Rojo. There's more of this to come. I'm going to eat up all the Rojo stock. Loving it.
1: Yeah, and Leonard Fournette was inactive with the ankle injuries. Last week, he dressed in an emergency fashion, didn't play. And now it looks like even when he comes back, Ronald Jones may have literally run away with this job. I don't know if Leonard Uncle Len can see the field in front of Rojo at this point. Because of this, Tom Brady really wasn't asked to do much, only 27 pass attempts, pulled for Blaine Gabbert in the fourth quarter with the game completely out of hand, completed 63% of his passes, 166 yards and two touchdowns, one of when, which went to rookie Tyler Johnson, I know we're happy to see that, and one for a Gronk spike. Gronk is back. Baby, five reception, 78 yards and a score. This was the Rob Gronkowski of old. Led the team with eight targets as well. Best performance of all the pass catchers. We also saw Chris Godwin looking solid in his return. Five for seven. Five of his seven targets for 48 yards. Mike Evans really wasn't asked to do much because Gronk was so good. Caught one of his two targets for 10 yards. And this one really just got out of hand with the Bucks D taking over. So we will wrap this one up with the IDP MVP with knee.
2: Yes, sir. And as Jack just mentioned, the Bucks D took over in this game. They they made Aaron Rodgers look much more mortal than he has been in the last few weeks. And the IDP MVP is linebacker Devin White. He was ferocious today. He had ten tackles, including three tackles for loss, one sack and one quarterback hit. Bucks The Bucks stopped with him and he stopped a lot of things on the Green Bay side of the ball.
1: And that's going to do it from the week six recap show. We are currently at half of the Sunday night football game between the Rams and the 49ers. 49ers are up 21 to six. And in terms of fantasy, we've seen Debo Samuel and Jimmy Gorgeous get going early on. On the first drive, Debo caught two of his, both of his targets for 41 yards and had a score. Now he's at four receptions, 57 yards and a touchdown at half. George Kittle even better though. Long touchdown, 73 yards and four receptions. Brandon Ayuk chipped in for a score as well as Robert Woods love that from Bobby Forrest so that's going to do it from us here thank you all for tuning in and thank you to the always fabulous Nee Wallace Bruce for joining me it's been a blast as always and with a double header of Kansas City versus Buffalo at five o'clock Eastern and the Arizona versus Dallas game at 815 Eastern do you have any bold predictions for Monday night and do you have any parting words for all of your adoring fans out there
2: First off, I'd just like to say I love seeing two games on Monday night. I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, also, when you're watching the Monday night games, look out for Cedric Wilson. He's going to be a nice play for the Dallas Cowboys going forward. He's currently the, the fourth wideout on the depth chart behind Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and uh, Michael Gallup. But he has taken a few opportunities that have come his way, whether it be Dak or Ed Dalton throwing him the ball. So if you are lucky to be listening to us before Monday night football, make sure you stash him. If you need wide receiver depth, you need a redraft, or if you're in Dynasty, put him on your taxi squad. Also, on the other side of the ball, look for Jordan Hicks and Devondre Campbell to rack up tackles for all your IDPers, as they're going to have to stop Zeke, and we know Dallas are going to run the ball a lot, They, they often do. So if you need to throw a Hail Mary and you can get one of those guys in your IDP matchup, just do it.
1: As always, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to pick your brain. So be sure to follow me on Instagram at TheRealNWB to make sure you're keeping up with all the wisdom this man is constantly dropping about fantasy football, sports, and life in general. It has been my treat to work with you once again, as well as my treat to work with Dr. Dynasty. So John, do you have any bold takes for our Monday Night Doubleheader or any parting words for all of our friends in the audience?
0: I sure do, Jack. Last week I said take the Chargers to cover against New Orleans on Monday night, and they did, so you're welcome if you made some money. Kansas City Chiefs are five-point favorites on the road against Buffalo. Both teams need a win after getting spanked the week before, but I actually like Kansas City to bounce back in a statement win over a potential playoff foe. Uh, The Cardinals are one-point favorites in Dallas. So on Monday night, we have two home dogs. That's a big – that doesn't happen a lot. So, But I don't think both teams are going to lose at home. I think Dallas will win and obviously cover. This team is absolutely desperate for something good to happen. Uh, That's the news, and I'm out of here, Jack make sure you follow john over on twitter at
1: dynasty phd and on instagram at scouser underscore from underscore okc to keep up with all the knowledge john is putting out into the universe but also make sure you follow us all on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsense ff because there are so many talented people over at with the important nonsense group, and just so much information to offer you. So if you've enjoyed yourself, make sure you drop us a five star rating and review really helps us out. And if you didn't enjoy the podcast, make sure you hit up at that FF nerd Jason Draven with all of your complaints. I have been your host at Javanaugh 87 Jack Cavanaugh and it has been yet in another wonderful week in the world of football. Tune in Thursday morning for the Big Boss Show with at Nonsense underscore Steve and at Nonsense underscore Neil, and on Saturday for the Week 7 preview starring myself and the nerd. Stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!